your talk show for all things automotive. From the latest news to the greatest views and the biggest names in rolling iron. Your host is Brett Hatfield, freelance auto journalist, senior auction analyst for Sports Car Market Magazine and American Car Collector Magazine, writer and editor of ReadTheDriven.com and owner of his own small but growing fleet of cool cars. Get behind the wheel of an hour of car talk starting right now. Thanks for listening to Driven Radio, your home for the very best in automotive content and interviews. And and crossed yes. a milestone today. Crossed <gasps> crossed a okay. crossed a big line. Over ten thousand listens to our tiny little Ooh, show. Ten uh, k and right. and growing and picking up steam, which was pretty cool. I I sat watching the counter on our uh, on our pokey little provider podcast. all day, and when it crossed ten, I was doing the happy dance. Well, you office. know how you do that. Yeah, well, uh, you can help us grow that number by following us on Facebook and Twitter at Driven Radio Show and on Instagram at Read the Driven and listening to us online at readthedriven.com, uh, drivenradioshow.com, on iTunes, ACAST, Stitcher, Google Play, anywhere you find podcasts, we will be there. Thank you all very much yes, for helping push yes. us over that milestone. And like I said, we're we're picking up steam. Uh, the last few thousand listens was just in the last couple of months. That was really cool. It's so appreciated. I am Brett Hatfield. I'm your host. I'm here with Mark L. Groves Cut and fish. Craving Cars own Corey Pratt. Hey. Coming to you from Driven Radio Studios this week, uh, we've got interesting news about the upcoming cadillac escalade <laughs> uh hot wheels tribute to classic rock yeah. oh, yeah. oh my god and uh the bullet mustang heading to auction in Ooh. florida here Ooh. pretty quick in just a few weeks our special guest this week is luke channel he's a returning guest and friend of the show and we're going to be discussing that haggerty state of the classic car market report that came out earlier this week uh we got a lot to cover this week so let's get to it mr mark well, the Cadillac, the Cadillac Escalade, uh, what, a, a, what a wild machine. The 2021, they're already 2021. starting to and uh, Escalades, tease that. Escalades are trucks I like. They're, yeah. Big, comfortable, be, kind of pretty. Yes. All, all of the good stuff. and the, They take the good guys and lines. the bad guys mm-hmm. wherever they need to go. You know? <laughs> well, the, the you black go. guys always get the... Uh, get the black ones the oh, bad guys well, yeah bad guys always get the black trucks and then uh the pearl white ones are driven by johnson county uh <laughs> joker moms soccer with moms. The handlebar hair. <laughs> soccer, soccer moms and we it, love you every single one of you so- soccer yes, moms in yoga pants and little ball caps with a cute blonde ponytail hanging out the back and you know what never diss them because once they get three margaritas in them oh my goodness oh they're fun they are <laughs> but, uh, but we digress <laughs> we love you joko moms you're yes. the best ever <laughs> All, all you soccer moms, you're, uh, you're fun after 6 o'clock. Cadillac announced that the 2021 Escalade is going to be unveiled in Los Angeles. It'll be on February 4th. And here's the thing that caught my eye about this, because usually I'm kind of like, oh, well, you know, it's, an, it's another you know, regular car being you know, yeah. whatever. Mm-hmm. But this, the, the dashboard is going to be a 38-inch curved OLED screen. The entire dashboard. Basically, the entire dashboard. So you got kind of the From thicker part where the right. driver is, thins side out side. a little bit across the middle, thickens again where wait, usually wait your glove box and everything would be. I have questions. Oh, well, wait. It's It will have twice the pixel density of a 4K TV. Oh, so you know your your uh, speedometer is going to okay. be crystal clear, Mister. That's that's great. That's fantastic. I uh, uh, let's see. The screen is going to have streaming capability like the Tesla Three. 
this is not a good idea. <laughs> there, there's not a there's not one damn part of this is a good idea. And I'll start with this. Where's the airbag? Uh, yeah, she's in the back seat yelling at you. Yeah, uh-huh. uh-huh. oh, I'm sorry, mom-in-law. Um, the, the steering wheel. That's why you got that third row. I'm sure. I'm sure <laughs> the it's in there okay. somewhere. Uh, I'm sure that you know, obviously they're going to have all their safety features in, but that yeah. that well, screen. It's almost like wearing big electric sunglasses. Your dashboard is staring at you, and I. Uh, you know, the next step after this is just VR headset all the whole time you're in the car. <laughs> you're just you're doing nothing but playing Sims when you're out yeah, driving. Yeah. But it, first of all. Where are the airbags? I'm sure they've got them in there. Oh, but yeah. it's, it, what's it going to come through the screen? Oh, that's going to be great. Secondly, what Corey brought up earlier when we when we were shooting a breeze is what happens when that thing goes out like your computer monitor or one of your TVs? Yeah, that's not like a single screen. We're like the, the Porsche Taycan has like four individual screens, including like your your speedometer and your, your gauge cluster. Well, even stuff. in the Porsche, you know that's one. not going to be a cheap fix. And in this county. No, no, no. Yeah. But if one goes out, you got three other screens is what I'm saying. I mean, you got I – mean, <laughs> this goes out, you have nothing. Okay, and then well, what you've got is the feel of the road. Oh, you know, we're old school. You're whatever. gonna, you're gonna absolutely know how fast that thing's going. Yeah, and, by, you and know, I can do that in my Corvette now. Counting uh, lines, and then the third unforeseen circumstance on this is. Oh boy, how many fist fights are you going to start with your little kids who all want to play the video game in the front seat? I want to be a. Oh, it's a. Yeah, it's kids. No throwing things in the car. You're gonna uh-huh. break the TV. Yeah, thirty eight inches. Just 38. my first TV now, that I ever bought I was twenty inches diagonal, right. and I thought that was the shiznit. Oh, how yeah. about the first good sneeze on this thing? <laughs> Bring plenty I, well, of wipes. You know they're they're gonna have something the there for protection. You got a mouthful of that crappy vegan Whopper in there, and a little <laughs> bit of pepper up the nose, and. Uh, uh, and then you just you know. blast that screen, and then the you know the next forty five minutes you're sitting well, you know, there with a Windex and a rag. It doesn't come out until twenty twenty one. Now, one of the little key hints so about this too idea. is that uh, there's a teaser video. I showed you the teaser video, yeah. Uh, and the top of the steering wheel, you might not have been able to see that in there, uh, lit up green, meaning the new Escalade. According to now, this is an article that I uh, I got out of uh, CarAndDriver.com. dot uh, com. That's where the, the the news came from. CarAndDriver.com. dot com. According to them, it means the new Escalade is going to be available with Cadillac Super Cruise semi-autonomous driving system. Yeah, not fully autonomous like that yo-yo last week when he was yeah. in the backseat with his dog. <laughs> semi, uh, I, like, I, I like how they idiot. call it semi-autonomous, but, uh, yeah. not autopilot. It's a level two autonomous driving system allows the car to drive itself Ooh, hours on two, highways whatever, without driver intervention. So, so if you're on the highway and mm-hmm. you've got a pretty straight stretch, you'll be able to finally catch up on your Netflix. You can Netflix just and chill and quite possibly more you know, die. More bad ideas. I do, I do <laughs> have a serious, bad I do have a serious question about the uh, uh, autonomous driving. Is uh, It's level two. Level so dose. What's, yeah. what's the difference I, I between level one and level two? Uh, I, I, 220, 221, whatever yeah, it takes. I haven't seen the uh, breakout on that deal either. <laughs> so level, Bad idea all well, the way Where do you around. level out at? I mean, where, where's the yeah. max out, I wonder? If I'm at level one, is that because I'm like, am I plugged Is it like the old in? Kung Fu game? You got four levels and you're done, right? You got the boss? <laughs> no? Okay. I don't know. <laughs> maybe, maybe you can level up. So anyway, is there power that, upgrades? I don't, be looking I don't know. forward to the uh, watching TV in your Cadillac yeah, come twenty twenty one. No, I'm not. I'm going to Good hang times. on to my twenty year old Lincoln Navigator with two hundred seventy five thousand miles on it, and new dents courtesy of that blind uh, Stevie Wonder impersonator who smacked me in the Walmart parking lot. This bless week. your pee picking heart. Yeah, no kidding. She smacked the front end, and then in her infinite wisdom. <laughs> 
cut the wheel really hard when she was backing up and got the back end. Well, you know, you, you want it to match, don't you? Oh, it's just <laughs> I I got out and it was one of those occasions. That must I was, have been after the third margarita. I was so <laughs> mad I couldn't swear. Once I got again. you in the front, got you in the rear. Why do you think of that, Tiger? <laughs> I think I usually have to pay extra for that. Girlfriend likes top shelf. Oh my goodness. I was right. so mad when I got out of the truck I couldn't even swear out. I'm just standing there going, why? Why? What are you I, I couldn't even finish a sentence. <laughs> On a side note, though, I would be honest. I wouldn't mind seeing what the screen looks like when it comes out. Is it going to be my cup of tea as far no, as what I, I want I, my car? No, but I, I wouldn't mind seeing it. I want to get a look at it so yeah. I can fully finish my thought of this is a How bad much idea. Is this? Right, right. <laughs> oh, you guys screwed up everything. <laughs> Before you know it, the entire dash and everything and windshield and, and, and roof is all going to be screens. Well, if they can do that for the width of the dash... Then they can do it down the sides, and they can do it down the back. And I am seeing full disco limo come out of this pretty quick. See, they oh, should I'm do down. sunroofs, and it's just a screen, not an actual sunroof. Put that and into that way a you van. can just like, oh, look, the sun's coming in. It's nighttime. You see, know? I want to see that thing. I want it to be interactive with the stereo. So when you're listening to music, maybe it's you know flashing colors oh, in there. Get the full disco. Yeah. <laughs> It'll be like one of those realistic ball things we used to buy when yeah, we were kids. Yeah, they yeah. It works with the, the music. Okay, let's take out all the seats and carpet, and I'm going to get some roller skates. See, that great ideas come from those who share. All right, well, how about those Hot Wheels, man? Those Sweet look kind of cool. Oh my God! Anybody here? Any classic rock fans in this room? I could use some oh, Hot yeah. Wheels Listeners right out now. there. Anybody? All right, well check this out. Hot Wheels and classic. Hot Wheels has released five special edition cars honoring the legendary rock band Led Zeppelin. Sold. Sold. (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm already in. I'm missing the connection between Led Zeppelin and Hot Wheels, but please go on. (laughs) Because Led Zeppelin was a hot rock band. Oh, is that what it is? And they had to drive places. (laughs) Yeah, that's it. Wow, that's really thin, man. (laughs) I think I can see right through that. I don't even have to hold it up to the light. I absolutely love it. It's just (laughs) stupid. Please. How do they look like? I mean, are they album covers or what? Well, yeah, actually, that's basically so they got the, the special edition cars will have paint jobs inspired by the band's first four album oh. uh, albums and their 1975 North American tour. Cool. There's yeah. a little Yugo. Yeah, right, they're going to so come with do a... Do you want to hear what the, what the cars look like? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Oh, please do tell. Right. So the first model Christmas is called list. the Holland Gas and it is painted <laughs> with a burning Zeppelin. It's going to come with a free bong. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's painted with the burning Zeppelin that graced the, the cover of the first album. Right? Uh, Which, of course, yeah. was titled... Well, Led Zeppelin. Going to come yeah. with free paraphernalia. Of course, uh, if anybody is not, you know, uh, understanding which albums are which, that is uh, also the, the album that came with Good Times, Bad Times, and that's it. Dazed and Confused. Nice. Okay. Second model. It's called the Super Van. You had to know the van was coming. There's got to oh, be a yeah. van in there somewhere. What, what kind of vehicle was the first one, by the way? It is. It's a hauling gas. This is what it's called. Oh, that's actually the kind of that's what Hot Wheels named it. Yes, but is it a like is it like a van or a, a sure car? Oh, it's, or, uh, no, 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 it's I, I've seen this. I couldn't quite tell what it was. It looked a battle jitney. Well, it looked a little uh, uh, VW microbus ish, okay. except it had a, a rounded back. Um, oh, uh, that's there was yeah. a forties. Okay, I know. Yeah, I know yeah, yeah. All right. Yeah. So Hot Wheels, Hot Wheels are good at making up the cars, ba- so the, they just yeah. name it something. The back end yeah. was a little Buckminster Fuller. <laughs> you know the car I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. that sounds awesome. 
<laughs> so with the second model, it's more likely a van being called the super van. The super van. Now, Makes what, sense. what model of van I have. You're going to love no, me no, and my Led Zeppelin, and that's looks, all right It looks by like me. a 70s Ford Econoline. The cool thing was, when I looked at the pictures on these, some of them looked like old Hot Wheel models that they'd kind of freshened up, new paint job, new wheels and tires, the same crap you do to your own car. They found a corner of the warehouse. Like, where the hell have these cars been all this time? (laughs) Let's let's repaint them and sell them. Bob had a box of these hidden. (laughs) Oops, we can do this. How many have we got? A bunch. (laughs) All right. Well, that that, uh, super van is painted red with a white smoky cloud. That's Uh, grace the cover of the second album, Led Zeppelin 2. So. What's Led Zeppelin 3? Is it a motorcycle? You're going to take or? another hit? Uh-huh. All right. <laughs> What's the third one? Third car Do is tell. named Combat Medic, which what? is perfect. It has the delivery straight from Led Zeppelin 3, which, if you didn't know, that's the third third album. Oh, thanks, man. No, I, I was aware. Thank you. <laughs> I wonder if Led Zeppelin 4, is that the fifth album? I don't know. It's very possible. <laughs> but the fourth album's last car is a 67 Austin minivan. Oh. I think we got a... a theme going with the vans here, vans 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 yeah and uh that that takes the zo the zoso artwork from the band's fourth album which is commonly referred to well Led Zeppelin it was before. unnamed but everybody called it zeppelin right, well, i'm right, sure yeah, these things are like outrageously yeah. expensive or absolutely not no matter of fact it's not going to be sold in any kind of limited numbers so you're good there um it's going to be on the store shelves this month the brick and mortar type of stores it's not going to be sold through online retailers Oh, yeah? They're not going to Amazon? Hold on, hold on. Aside of your third-party eBay and all that kind of stuff. But it's going for in the stores for $5.49. Wonderful cents. The $5.49. The second I saw this story, I checked Amazon. They got none. But they had them for sale on eBay for 60 bucks for the set. I came really close to pulling the trigger. (laughs) Nah, just go in the stores and buy them. Come on, go to Walmart. You can arm wrestle some Black Friday deals out of people. I'm going to have my wagon train of Corvette and Porsche Hot Wheels followed by a bunch of Led Zeppelin (laughs) fans. (laughs) Vans. And, of Uh, course, that that fifth car is the the album. No, the fifth car is the the, 75 uh, 75 uh, concert tour tour car. Oh, Oh, there was a fifth one. Oh, my God. Car. It's red, oh, white, wow. and blue, and it's got the naked winged angel guess, on guess it. Guess what that's called? Uh, the fifth car mobile. You're close. It's highway hauler. Highway. Okay. You had a letter in there. I think that. I think. <laughs> I had a vowel. I'm holding yeah. out for the Judas Priest Hot Wheels collection. That'll be fun. They'll all be covered in leather. Rama will be in the driver's oh, seat. Oh, you may think you want that, but you got another thing coming. Dude. Oh, thank oh. you. Holy. Wow. Wow. That just happened. Jeez. This is. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, speak- every every week I'm kind of trying to mark where I lose control of the show. <laughs> this came early. And timestamp it now. Alrighty. Speaking so, of collectibles. Uh, collectible stuff. Uh, everybody remember when they found the Bullet Mustang about a year ago? Yeah, that was pretty uh, exciting. The guy who owned it, whose father had bought it in the 70s, came out and said, I have it. And then they went through all the verification stuff. And then Haggerty helped them announce it and all this other great stuff. And the yeah. car travel around the country went everywhere yeah i think i think i even saw it on jay leno's garage yeah it's it just it was it was in all the media for a long time the owner says he's going to sell it now he's finally yeah. going to part with it he said that he, he kept the car retire. for an awful long time because it was his dad's and his father had passed and he felt like that was the connection to his dad yeah but now with all the press and all the attention and everything else he f- said he feels like the car's kind of running his life Oh, oh. Mm. Uh, you know, it, it, yeah, it could be. Sure. I, hey, it could be. None of us have ever been in that position. Yeah. 
Uh, and Worst things can happen, though. Every Everybody <laughs> always thought that Steve McQueen was so cool that anything that he touched has got a huge premium on it now. Yeah. Oh, sure. So the, the guy's name is Sean Kiernan, and it's a 68 Ford Bullet Mustang that was built specifically for the movie. Uh, mm-hmm. any, anybody who's a car guy or girl has seen that 10-minute chase through the streets of San Francisco. And, you know, I, I, I tried to wear out a VHS tape watching that thing. Uh, VHS? I kid, I kid. Very hot yeah. stuff. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's very hot. Uh, anyway, he, he's, uh, he says he's going to sell it, and Meekum is going to sell it at their Kissimmee sale here in just a few weeks and down in Florida. It's, it's in between uh, the first of the year and Scottsdale Car Week. Meekum does a monster sale in Kissimmee. And by monster, I mean they move around 3,000 cars through that sale. I cannot imagine Ooh. the reserve on this thing. I mean, it's got to be so high, right? None. Zip. What? Zip. If you got a buck in your pocket, baby, you can throw down a bid. Oh, my God. I'm in. Yeah, well. I got 5280. Oh. <laughs> Beat me. Uh, you, you already got me beat. Sorry. Well, well you, you could offer to just, uh, trade him for a chunk of land in Lathrop, Missouri. But, but yeah, uh, I already. Yeah, but that's already gone bye-bye. Um, they're saying that this car uh, has the potential to top $5 million. <gasps> oh, my God. Yeah. You might be outbidded just a little. Just a little. I, I think all three of us could throw down everything we got, and we couldn't buy the tires that are on it. No, I don't think so. Uh, How about the valve stem covers? <laughs> they're going with a no-reserve sale, which is pretty unusual for that a car like surprising. this. But again, yeah, no kidding. it's McQueen-related. And there's yeah. such a following for stuff like that. I but mean, are they going to start the bid automatically, like ridiculously high? Like, hey, half a million dollars. No, no, no. Uh, the opening bid is 3500 bucks. Oh my God! Oh, I wonder if that's what so Dad bought it for. Was yeah, it's, it's exactly what Dad bought. Oh no, it for. kidding! Seriously? That's where it comes from. Yeah. Oh my God! Oh. His dad bought it. I think memory serves seventy three or seventy four. Yeah. And so if they get one person it. to bid, they've broke even. Yeah. All right. He yeah. bought it, and it was a family car for a while. Yeah, it was. Yeah, they just they just drove it, and, then and they, if if you've <laughs> seen it in the last year in any of the media, it's kind of ratty. It's not. It's, it's not. It's not yeah. pristine, pristinely restored. It's not mint. It's not even close. But it is exactly in the condition that it has come to be after the movie, and then just kind of being maintained. Yeah. yeah. So. Yeah. yeah. Uh, nice. Anyway, uh, they're saying they expect the car somewhere between three and five million dollars. You know, it's going to go just, for ten million, no, and no, it's going to be in, that, It's going to be in Dubai. Oh, it can't oh. be. And it will no, be up on the 200th floor in oh, this guy's apartment in Dubai. You think, you think Dubai? Do you think that's something that'll attract people from Dubai? Oh, yeah. It sure is well, not. They couldn't, not, get any, not. Bu- they couldn't get any buyers when everybody was in Dubai a few weeks ago. Mm. That was interesting. <laughs> I mean, uh, they're usually into the what the, the supercars that can turn into jet planes and the engine of boats. Oh, so it's going to be an old school. <laughs> anyway, Dana Meekum himself said the car will sell for at least $3 million. And a Haggerty Magazine article said it'll be worth $4 million. Our buddy, John Klinger himself, said he expects it to be closer to five. Wow. Wow. Okay. Uh, so, you know, a movie car. It, What's that percentage difference from 3500 <laughs> I think a metric butt ton. I think it's, it's it, it but is. it's metric, so you got to kind of work with it. It, it is do a you, metric truck. Do you load. know of an investment that that uh, that could be a higher percentage than that of a single item? I don't know, man. I just it, <laughs> who are you going to get to give you that money? I've been trying, but none of my damn comic books will quite reach that no, level. No, yeah, 
but yeah. I'm trying. <laughs> That's no kidding. Keep it hey, up. Not if you wait 300 years. <laughs> yeah, my aunt's beanie uh, babies. <laughs> anyway, a, a rep from uh, from Meekum said a movie car always has a multiple applied to it. When you add the Steve McQueen factor, that multiple uh, in effect goes up exponentially. And uh, you know, he said he was slow to part with it, but he kind of felt like the car was running his life. And there are some other cars that he would like to. Uh, work on and try his hand out. Yeah, you're a little familiar with that. And you, one, you sold a baby or two and got one or two up for sale. That Thank you, scab picker. Where? Uh, <laughs> just so you can go ahead and buy one you liked even more? Hey, Mark, yeah, I don't cry for me, Argentina. I saw Mark, some, I got a whole case of Bronco salt pictures you, this afternoon you can pour just wounds. killing me. <laughs> see? Uh, see? Anyway, uh, his dad also had an old 911 that needs to be restored that was sitting right next oh, to yeah. the Mustang in the same barn, and he wants to restore that. I'm guessing he could have the thing restored by Singer by the time he gets his stinking Mustang <laughs> sold. Hey, our special guest this week, Luke. Luke Channel, a returning guest, friend awesome. of the show, All and right. uh, also somebody I love harassing. He's going to be on here in just a minute. We're going to talk about uh, this Haggerty collector car market report that came out earlier this week. What's up? What's down? Uh, what you might want to watch for, and a lot of interesting stuff. All that is coming up next on Driven Radio. Hey, welcome back to Driven Radio. We're coming to you from Driven Radio Studios in lovely, balmy Overland Park, Kansas. <laughs> balmy. Balmy. Oh, yes, it's beach weather. Yeah, walking, ar- walking around <laughs> this outside. This beach ain't going outside. Yeah, that's no, sh- <laughs> no kidding, kids. Up to the, my mid-shin and snow. Uh, our special guest this week is, and our returning guest and friend of the show, Luke Chennel, associate professor in the McPherson College Auto Restoration Program. He hosts the staggeringly popular, staggeringly popular <laughs> after cars show barbecue at his house in McPherson in May, at which you can find uh, drunken auto journalists cooking sausages. Ah, hence the staggering. Uh, well, I kind of want to be there for that. <laughs> I, certainly, I was staggering. Uh, Luke, welcome back to Driven Radio. Glad to be with you again. I was wondering if you got a chance to watch the Haggerty uh, collector car market report earlier this week. Uh, you know, I actually watched it today while I was building the wall. Oh, cool. And, uh, very good. It, I found it very, very interesting. There was a lot of data there that was pretty useful, I think. Well, it was hosted by our friend Dave Kinney. It's always good to see Dave. And he had an awful lot to say about what's been happening as far as the market's going. And some th- there were some surprises in the report. Uh, it seems that $100,000 cars are slowing down and buyers that are in that uh, uh, 100000 plus market are sitting on their money. Yeah, it seems to be. I, you know, it's hard to say what exactly the middle of the collector car market is. But I think the growth, like we've seen in a lot of larger economic trends, is really in the high-end cars and in the low-end. You know, you see, you see in most consumer products the kind of diminishment of the middle-of-the-road kind of appliance or car or whatever. And people have either migrated to really cheap products or really expensive ones. And I think we're seeing that in the collector car market. And I think but that's just my take. I think part of this is something that they mentioned a couple times is that uh, baby boomers seem to be aging out of the collector car market. A lot of them are getting to be retirement age, and they're not uh, keeping as large a collection around. 
And uh, a lot of boomers did really, really well and had lots of uh, free cash to throw at stuff like that. But now as they retire and settle down and downsize, a lot of those those cars that were in the 100 to 300 grand range uh, just aren't selling. They aren't moving. There seems to be a bit of a glut. Well, I think there are a couple things going on there. Um, first of all, I think the kind of meteoric rise of the 1950s and 60s cars just had to flatten out and fall eventually. Sure. And I think what was more striking to me in the, in the whole valuation report, you know, cars from 1973 to 1987. Malays. About, Malays era. Yeah, Malays era. I, you, you can debate when that ends, but they sucked. They were terrible cars. <laughs> and, and so so there's been this, there was a lot of pent-up demand for collector cars and no cars that were worthy of meeting it. Which you know, in the especially in the mid to late two thousands, it, it really inflated the the price of late nineteen sixties muscle cars, and I think finally we're starting to see the kind of post fuel injection good nineties performance car and and other cars of that era come into their own, which is now starting to displace some of those other um, other stuff. And the stuff from the nineties is a lot more affordable. It's just well, it is they're good yeah. cars. And they're cheap, and why not? I mean, well, and also when you get into those '90s cars and late '90s cars, most all of them had power steering, power brakes, AC. Uh, lots of them had power windows and cruise control and stuff like that. And it makes it a more livable classic. Absolutely, and the other thing about them is that you know there's enough enough of those on the road still. Oh yeah. The user base is strong, so you get, you know, if you want to work on the thing yourself, you have plenty of support from a forum. YouTube is always there. And and really between those two things, it's revolutionized the kind of owner-driven repairs that are cap- that, that are possible and that people are capable of, you know, with just pulling it up on your phone. Okay. Um another thing that they brought up is that the uh, some of the uh, flat sales from Monterey this year seem to be indicative of the current market correction. Um, you know, notwithstanding the forty-six Porsche sale at the RM deal, what a yeah. what a boondoggle that was. Um, but the the thing that I found really interesting is that Meekum's sales in the uh, auction arena seem to be really steady. And the thing uh, that I guess I hadn't considered enough is Meekum moves a lot of four and five figure cars, but they don't get into much six figure stuff. They do do uh, a little bit of upper end stuff at some of their bigger sales. But for the most part, it's stuff that seems to be more accessible. You know, I, I think the bright spot of any, well, I always say that I want all the cars to go down in value so I can buy more. Um, but the, bright spot of, the bright spot of cheap cars is that it, it does, it opens up accessibility and it opens up new people to things that they might not have otherwise considered. No, I absolutely, um, I, you know, I think. I, I absolutely agree with that. And, uh, uh, my personal experience with that was what you and I have talked about a couple times uh, earlier or about a year ago. I had eight cars and I was just out of my mind trying to maintain everything and keep track of everything. And I put everything up for sale. And the one car I figured I could sell and then afford everything else is if I sold the 61 Impala because it was really expensive. And as it turned out, every other thing I had 
that was under $30,000 sold. It all sold. Everything but the Impala sold. <laughs> the you see this moped. Yeah, it's every, gone, man. Every, Damn. Everything sold. All the affordable stuff is gone. And the one car that I thought would have been the home run and allow me to do whatever is the car I still got. And now I'm looking at it going, well, I, I, I guess this is the one I'm taking care of. <laughs> for strange bedfellows, do they not? No. And, uh, you know, I, I I guess if I have to have one to live with or two. Yeah, it could I've be worse. Seen, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, it certainly could be worse. But uh, as far as the affordable cars thing go, I think that also speaks to uh, new people we see who are coming into the collector car market. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, in Haggerty's bull list, they they cite that, you know, the class of 1999 is basically the list they made their, their the bull list for. And guess who is uh, who is one of the high school class of 1999? me so <laughs> i look at those cars that they have you know on their bull market list and those were for the most part cars that were pretty desirable when i was 18 19 20 you know the kind of aspirational stuff that one day i hope to own and and now because i teach i don't but now, <laughs> so many people have the money to pursue some of that stuff <laughs> All right. Now, on the list they had of cars that had uh, gone down in value significantly. Uh, oh, boy. It sounds like we've got big emergencies. Uh, <laughs> Quick, Corey. Go to the closet, man. <laughs> I'm sorry. We'll cover this for you. <laughs> I didn't mean to. Uh, they know where you are now. Uh the 53 to 55 Packard Caribbean, something that has for a long time been a really valuable car, looks like it's seen a significant downturn. You know, it's like when a manufacturer goes out of business 55 years ago that the cars they made <laughs> are kind of hard to support. <laughs> you know? Well, when you put it I mean, that way. I, yeah. It's the <laughs> oldest orphans. <laughs> uh, I, well, it's... I, I just see, I, I work on a lot of those cars from the 50s and the immediate post-war era. And the, the problem is getting to be that, first of all, they're just, I don't want to say decrepit, but a lot of the, the parts are just worn out. Yeah. And the, the kind of industries that supported them, you know, have just, I don't want to say run their course, but it's the number of parts stocks are dwindling. And it's just getting harder and harder and harder to maintain that stuff. And so, you know, when you have a car that you might have a multiple year wait to get a steering wheel, it just makes them less and less and less attractive. You know, what I think is I think our culture, our car culture in particular, is becoming incredibly more kind of driven. I want to use the word driven, but driving focused. You know, people don't want cars they just look at anymore. They want dynamic pieces that they can actually use. Uh, and isn't that the re- inspiration for resto mods? You know, it is the, and I, I work with a lot of guys who work on those. And the problem with resto mods is that most of them are not very well done. <laughs> <laughs> you know, okay, now, now you're just being mean. <laughs> well, I mean, they, I'll they throw an LS in it; it'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it. You know, steel is kind of necessarily unforgiving and if you don't do something right if you don't put a car together right it turns out not to work very well yeah you know, just your impala you went through that right oh i'm still going through it i mean that's uh you know and going back to the hey they haven't been made in forever the last 
commercial or the last uh, production year for 409s was 1965. Ooh, you know, is, I, I look at that for uh, some of the Chryslers that I love. In a few months. You know, when they talk about the 413s and I've oh, done yeah. some research and I'm like, oh, my God, these things are so expensive to fix. For mm, for what I paid yeah. to rebuild the 409 in that car, I could have done a beautiful LS swap yeah. and probably been looking at doing superchargers or turbos or something like that. But – I like the 409. It's cool looking. You don't see W heads yeah. on very much stuff. And how many songs were written about a 350? Yeah, well, no one's going to write songs. She's real song. mine, my 350. Yeah, no, nobody's going to yeah, write songs no. about Tercells. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, the the next car that I found it was it was kind of odd that they brought up, but they also had some neat conversation about was the Chrysler TC by Maserati. <laughs> oh my god! Oh, those are the. <laughs> Biggest albatross. <laughs> they were an albatross when they were new. Yeah. They still are. And every five years, somebody says, oh, well, it's finally time for the TC to come around. And then they plummet again. I yeah. mean, it's just, it's just. It never, it never works. I never. I, I, those I, are the kind of cars <laughs> that people bought as quote unquote investments. Mm-hmm. And they're prime prime illustration of why cars are bad and best. <laughs> it, it, it made the uh, the Neo Thunderbird that they oh. did look like William the Conqueror. The TC was so bad. And uh, they said it went down another 25% this year. Dave had the argument that if you wanted to collect a convertible, a tidy little car, and you didn't want to spend much money, maybe this is your chance as long as we're in bottom-of-the-barrel convertibles, I think I'd rather have an Elante. And that's probably the first time I've ever said that. Uh, Yeah. I I know a guy who lives in Wichita, and he's got one that he may be looking to part with before too long. (laughs) Mm, Sexy. Uh, Along with the Packard Caribbean going down, uh, the 48-50 to Packard 8 is down 37% this year. And just... Again, they said uh, there were very li- there was very little interest in them outside of the boomers. What are your thoughts on that? I, I go back again to just parts availability and supply. It's just this; they're just not making that stuff anymore. No, and it's it's becoming increasingly harder to try and justify, you know, repairing and fixing stuff that's often been repaired and buggered up and just hacked together for the last 45 to 50 years. True. So I, I personally have a great admiration for anything Packard. I think they're one of the best of that era. They're one of the best screwed together cars. They're just smooth, solid, dependable. Uh, but it, it, they're just worn out at this point. Oh, I mean, there's yeah. certainly plenty of good cars around that have been cared for, but but your average one just needs a lot of attention. True. It just makes it hard to justify. And, and the parts are difficult to find. Uh, the one that caught me a little uh, off was the 56 to 50, uh, 59 Ferrari TDF, the Tour de France. Uh, I've reviewed a couple of these, but every one of them was a little bit different. They were kind of a bespoke car. Uh, any, uh, any thoughts on those being down 20%? You know, I, I puzzled over that for quite a while, and my knowledge of the Ferrari market is admittedly limited. Again, I teach. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I, I think 
anything custom bodied like that provenance means a lot and it doesn't take much you know in a car that where the price range is 250,000 to 750,000 yeah it doesn't take more than a couple of sales of the lower end ones to really skew that number true so uh, if you have a car that's got good documentation and provenance it's it's going to be worth a good bit more and i don't think that's ever going to change so the other one, that, well, along with the uh, TDF that surprised me, was the 68 to 73 Ferrari Daytonas. And those have been seeing a downward trend. And those things seem to have been hot for quite some time. I'm kind of curious, uh, what do you think of there? I mean, I, it seems like the window on Ferraris is just shifting to newer and newer cars. I mean, I think certainly there's always going to be a place for any of the 12-cylinder, uh, you know, any 12-cylinder 250 is always going to be a great car but as you start to move into the newer newer ones it seems like the general trend is to to kind of move to the the supercar era of again the 80s and 90s you know the f40 uh 355 360 even uh instead of some of that later 60s and early 70s stuff and then uh, the one they brought up, and this seemed to be a generational thing, too, and that's certainly what Dave was saying. The 50 to 53 Aston Martin DB2s look like they're going down a little bit. Yeah. Well, you know, I always have an admiration for those because David Brown was a great tractor manufacturer and uh, <laughs> saved Aston Martin, of course. But, <laughs> but, uh, but I mean, if, you, if you're going to go out and buy a vintage Aston Martin, unless you really die hard... You want a DB4 or DB5. You yeah. want a Bond car. Yes. So I don't I don't think that's out of line for those to be going down at value. We're speaking with uh, Luke Chennel, associate professor in the restoration program at McPherson College. Uh, now we've talked about all the stuff that went down. Let's talk about some of the stuff that came up. Uh, and there was... There's some neat stuff in here. I was kind of happy to see that uh, the second generation, the 88 to 91 Honda CRXs, were coming up in value quite a bit. I've seen some of these on tra- on Bring a Trailer go for what seemed like a ton of money. But the thing is with the CRXs, they're really, really difficult to find unmodified, and they're really difficult to find with low miles. Well, yeah, they you know, drove When them. that came up, I... Yeah. Well, I mean, they ran good, too. They were a good car. Uh, you know, the, the thing that came up for me when I saw that was I haven't seen a CRX on the road in probably no. 15 years. No. And I, it it actually was kind of a wake-up call for me to realize how long it had been since I've seen, you know, a car of that variety around. Um, but, you know, but the thing about those little Hondas was they were just, again, well-built cars, and the CRX SIs, you know, they were kind of a mold-breaking car, especially Hondas of that era really were were very different from other car manufacturers. You know, the the special CVCC engine, uh, just so Chero Honda's general influence on automotive engineering was really at its peak in that era. And so I think it's pretty deserved that, that those cars are getting some attention. I bought a 1990 Honda CRX DX brand new right off the showroom floor and had it for a couple of years. And that thing was perfect. It never had a problem. I never had to do anything to it other than change the oil and put gas in it. It ran great. It got great mileage. They were fairly quick for what they were. And 
that little hatchback would swallow a ton yeah. of stuff. You could put so much crap in them. Um, they were really fantastic little cars, and they didn't weigh anything. They were just light. You start to see in that era, you know, that people got over the emissions regulations and safety regulations and really started to let the, the kind of put the paper to uh, the pen to paper really started making good cars. And I think the CRXs were, were one of the first of those. Oh, I'd absolutely uh, you know, agree. Absolutely agree. Uh, the 64 to 67 Intermechanica Veta Ventura, which I was not familiar with, but I was familiar with the car that uh, predated that, the Apollo GT. It's the same car. It was just renamed after Apollo uh, lost their financial footing. But uh, to see that thing jump up, what did they say? It was something in the neighborhood of 40%? Yeah, I I have no experience with those. I mean, I know a little bit about Apollo GTs, but no particular experience. But it kind of hit me out of left field uh, on that particular example. You know, you see a lot of those Italian esque cars that are really really interesting i was kind of i didn't take a look at it but i was really interested to see what panteras have been doing lately because they're kind of a they're always the bellwether for that kind of segment of the market and i can tell you what they've been doing lately because i'm such a pantera fiend if you remember we had a yellow one at school when you and i were there and absolutely and i wound up doing the seats and the uh, headliner in that car and kind of fell in love with it and that was not a great example but it was okay and uh, i also remember it had no brakes and when we ripped around town and you had to use the parking brake but uh that Eh, those things went (laughs) those things really deserved to go up when they did they were undervalued for a long, long time. It used to be you could shop Panteras all day long for forty grand, and when they went up, uh, and and they kind of followed Ferraris in that post recession uh, run up to two thousand sixteen. They uh, they got stupid, and Pantera owners felt like they'd been vindicated. Finally, they've been waiting years for the cars to be worth more than they were. And they've kind of flattened, and a lot of guys who saw their Panteras finally become six-figure cars want to hang on to that, but they're no longer bringing that kind of money. They're uh, upper five-figure cars. You still see them around 80 and 90 a lot for the really, really good ones. But the other thing is Panteras, much like CRXs, it's tough to find them that haven't been monkeyed with. Uh, Everybody who laid their hands on one would do different wheels and tires and modify the engine and try to squeeze more than 330 horse out of the thing, which for that car was plenty. Uh, It's tough to find them that are very original. Some of the modifications that were done were really, really good. Most of them weren't. Most of them were pretty awful. Um, well, you can find you Pontiac know, Venturas think, that are original. That, <laughs> no? Sorry. <laughs> but uh, Pantera prices have softened along with uh, most everything else, and they're starting to come back down. The, the thing that really bugged me about that is just about the time I was going to be able to afford a Pantera, they went through the damn roof, and I can't put my hands on them. That's what always happens to me. <laughs> Soon enough, the day will be yours. Uh, all you have to do is sell the Impala. N- you know what? After all the crap I've been <laughs> through in the last year, uh, part of part of the problem with the Impala was I was trying to sell it, and I was just just I was doing everything the car needed, fixing everything the car needed, going through it. And by the time I got done with everything, 
the car was really in pretty good shape, and I'm starting to think, no, I don't want to sell this. This drives real nicely, and it goes down the road straight, and it comes on nice and hard, and it just, just yeah, I made the car so good to sell it that now I don't want to. You've got a great list of uh, vehicles here in this, the ones that are, uh, the values are coming up, but I, I wanted to uh, see if we could jump to the uh, 69 to 70 Shelby Mustangs, because I have been watching Shelby Americana. Okay. On Netflix. Okay. And, you know, the last time you guys talked about going to see the movie, and I'm like, mm-hmm. uh, what is it, uh, <laughs> Ford versus uh, Ferrari or whatever? Yeah. I think I might actually want to see that now. I want to go see it again. You want to go? Uh, that's not a bad idea. Because Shelby Americana on Netflix is a hell of a watch. Yeah. And uh, it's, it's been it's, on my list of well, that ones to catch up on. It's got both of the, uh, oh, yeah, America, woo, you know, some uh, races <laughs> yeah. just figuring out how to make stuff work good. If you're going to if you're gonna watch that, you also need to watch 24-Hour War. It all dovetails together. And, yeah, let's jump to the 69 to Shelby, uh, 69 to 70 uh, Mustang G3, uh, GT350s. Wow, if I could say this. Well, I know what that means now, GT350. I don't know what the GT stands for, but I know why they called it that. So I feel, like, smart <laughs> Because <laughs> I watch Netflix. <laughs> that's where all your finer learning happens. Oh, dude, yeah, Netflix, that's where any yeah. of it comes down, yeah. Uh, you know, the GT350s were traditionally kind of uh, poo-pooed by the Shelby purists for having not being cons- been constructed at the LAX uh, plant. Uh, but... Like Dave said, this is becoming less and less of a factor as time goes on. And with one of those cars, they're a little bit cheaper. They're sub $100,000 cars, which is not the case with most uh, Shelby Mustangs of the era. Uh, You're still in the Shelby registry. They're still very usable. They're still very drivable. And a lot of them came with power steering, power brakes, AC, automatic, all that good stuff. Um, Where do you see those going, Luke? I see it as heresy. That was not expected. I remain as Shelby partisan, and I, I passed 1967. <laughs> There's just maybe 1968. I just don't see it. I got to get you and I Vern mean, together I, for I think, a beer. You know, if if you want to talk about things with the Shelby name on them, let's talk in Omni GLA. That's. I was just <laughs> going to ask you about that. That was in the movie too, and I'm like, what the hell? That's like a what is a Plymouth Horizon Dodge Omni, and it says Shelby at the bottom. What, what the hell's wrong with you? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, Good I love God, the GLH. Don't do. Let us not forget the GLHS. The GL goes like hell to more mm-hmm. version. <laughs> <laughs> well, as I, lo- I would so I, drive I, one of those I mean, just to have Shelby written on the bottom. As of long it. as as long as we're talking Shelby blasphemy, let's talk about the Shelby Rampage, which was Plymouth's K car version of an oh, El Camino. Oh my god, They're just god awful. But it was a Shelby. Uh, mm-hmm. And let's talk about the Shelby Dodge Dakota pickup convertible oh my god wow oh. it just got worse <laughs> i mean by the logic of by Great the stuff. logic of 69 and 70 mustangs being on the shelby registry and all that you know that it's going to be shelby mustang tube next and <laughs> i just don't see i just <laughs> there is a finite limit, people. I think Luke's drawn the line. He's, uh, I, I felt it. <laughs> he, he's drawn the line. Before we slide out of here, there's one car that we hopped over that I have to bring up. Mm-hmm. I have to bring up because this, this really hit home. Uh, and, of course, I was doing the happy dance in my office. 
if you were paying attention, uh, Mr. Uh, Mister Dave brought up wow. that 99 to 92 Mercedes W140 S-Class had jumped 50% this year. And as the owner of one, that's fantastic. Now it's worth $6,000. <laughs> you know... Forty percent of fifty bucks really isn't. <laughs> I'm up to seventy dollars. <laughs> wow, you go, Dream Killer. Uh, I mean, <laughs> how, how many? How well? How many tens of electrical pieces are going to cost six thousand dollars on that car? We've already had this conversation. This is the Schadenfreude joke over and over again. Yeah. I'm going to be working on that, and I'm going to be hoping somebody would come by the shop and curb stomp me and put me out of my misery. <laughs> that car, oh, my Lord. And, yeah, uh, he said it's worth 50% more, and I'm actually thinking, oh, I'll go buy a new battery for it now. <laughs> I have to say, I mean, it's it's like everybody says, what's wrong with a 25-year-old German car? Oh. Everything. <laughs> you answered your own question. Every stinking thing. The answer oh, is and, yes. And let us not forget that one had a lot of automatic stuff in it, like the automatic climate control that makes Sybil look well-adjusted. That thing is so freaking schizophrenic, man. You're hot. Now you're cold. Yeah. Shazam. <laughs> I want to clear my windshield. I will blow the air what I want. <laughs> I had a, we had a Lincoln for a while that was like that. It was just capricious. And if one day it would just freeze you out usually in the winter, and then the next day you just fry, and that was usually in the summer. Okay. But then, inexplicably, a door would make a large clunk, and then all of a sudden the climate would shift to whatever you wanted it to, and you were good for the rest of the trip. <laughs> you had to wait it out. You, you had know? to wait for the clunk. <laughs> like, is, is you had to broke? wait for the clunk, and then everything was fine. I have been in that Mercedes on a long car trip in the wintertime when it was 16 degrees out and on that on that 600 on that v12 it has a completely separate front and rear climate control rear works completely separate of the front you could have the ac on up front and the heat on in the back been driving that car freezing to death <laughs> watching frost accumulate on the windshield on the inside of the windshield and finally figured out you know, I can crank the heat in the back seat, and it'll eventually get up here. Just drive and uphill so that it all, you know, <laughs> no, goes up. No, no. absolutely. <laughs> I, I, I cranked the heat maybe? in the back, and after about 20 minutes, I was starting to feel pretty good in the front seat. Turned the heated seats on, and I was fine. At least it's got backup systems, you schizophrenic pile. <laughs> There's nothing like watching the temperature gauge on a car and knowing that there is heat two feet in front of you, but you cannot get it to come backwards. I got 12 oh. cylinders having explosions in them, and I can't feel a thing. Absolutely. Ain't right. Absolutely. Yeah. Now, for everyone who's listening who's tired of me bitching about this car I own, come I, buy it. I, I do have to say this, and, and this is what I hang on to. When everything's right in that car, there is no better road car. That thing is amazing. It's just trying to get... It's kind of like herding cats, you know? It's trying to get them all going in the same direction at the same time. <laughs> you can't do it. on the At the one second that everything's going in the same direction at the same time, you look at it and you go, that's the most glorious thing ever. And that's what that car is like. 
I can't wait to see that on their uh, yeah. billboards. Mercedes, it's like herding, herding cats. cats with a fire hose. <laughs> <laughs> the, the thing about it is that the reason we're enthusiastic about these things sometimes is that they're terrible. Because the more terrible it is, yeah. the better it feels when you make it work right. We're all gluttons you know, and it's, martyrs. It's like, all of yeah, us. Yeah, I mean, it's like going to Las Vegas. You get a random reward when the car functions as it should, and that just keeps you coming back for more. Yep. You, know, yep. you objectively know that every time you're going to get in that car, something is not going to work and piss you off. Oh, yeah. Except that every once in a while it does. <laughs> It reminds me, uh, I, I was lucky enough to meet Penn Gillette once in Las Vegas for just a minute. And talking to him, he said, Las Vegas is an entire city founded on bad math. <laughs> and I, I think it's that, that same gambler's mentality that keeps us coming back to these cars that you know the thing is going to yeah. spit in your eye every chance it gets. But maybe, just maybe, I'll get lucky and everything will work right for a minute. Yeah. <laughs> It'll be heaven. Yeah. Nice. We've been speaking to uh, Luke Chennel, associate professor in the restoration program at McPherson College. Hey, Luke, uh, I really appreciate you coming out on, pal. And I miss you. It's been too long. So please come to Kansas City and let's go eat a lot of barbecue. I agree with that. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's great to have you back. Uh, you can find all of Luke's social media links, all of the media links from McPherson College. Yeah. And for Haggerty, the, uh, the producer of the State of the Collector Car Market Report, all of that will be on Read the Driven, uh, readthedriven.com. Thanks so much for spending time with Driven Radio. We really appreciate this. We really do, especially with crossing that big milestone 10,000 listen mark today. Woo! Very right. cool. We're growing, wow. and we're happy to have you along with us. We love what we do, and we wouldn't be able to do it without the support of our audience. You can find us online at readthedriven.com. Follow us on Facebook at forward slash Driven Radio Show, on Twitter at Driven Radio Show, and listen to us everywhere fine podcasts are heard. I'm Brett Hatfield for Corey Pratt and Mark Groves and Luke Channel. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next time here on Driven Radio. Driven Radio.